0: hey everybody welcome to 20q 20 questions with interesting people where we learn the origin stories of everyday superheroes in the lgbt community and friends i am your host the very handsome Tim Kirk, and our guest this time is raconteur Bon Vivant and Man About Town, John Kearns. John is the author of the short story collection Dreams and Dull Realities and the novel The World, and playwright of dramas including In the Wilderness and Bowen and the Well of Wisdom. His new novel, Worlds, was published by Bowen Books and Media LLC in May 2020. Worlds was a finalist in the 2018 William Faulkner William Wisdom creative writing competition and the 2002 New Century Writers' Awards. John's fiction has appeared in the Medulla Review, Nance Macabre, and the Irish Echo. His poems have appeared in such journals as North American Review, The Grey Sparrow Journal, and The Razor's Wine. His play, Sons of Molly Maguire, was produced in Dublin's Liberty Hall in May 2017. John was the treasurer and salon producer for Irish-American writers and artists for seven years. He has a master's degree in Irish literature from the Catholic University of America. So we're going to start as we usually do, John. Hi, John. Hi, Tim.
1: Thanks for having me. This is great.
0: My pleasure. Um, (laughs) I always do uh, a first question, a bit about your background. Where are you originally from and what was it like?
1: I grew up in uh, in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, just right right outside of uh, West Philadelphia, in like Upper Darby and Havertown area. Um, it was a middle class background, uh, a Catholic schools. So I went to ca- all Catholic schools from kindergarten through, as you said, grad- <laughs> mentioned all the way through graduate school. I went to uh, St. Joe's uh, Prep and St. Joe's University, both uh, Jesuit schools in Philadelphia. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a great it was it was a great place to grow up, and I got a great. Education, I think, from the Catholic schools and from you know, the Jesuit high school
0: and college. Jesuits and renegade Catholics, you know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I went to uh, Fordham and I went to a Chaminade High School in Mineola, which is run by the, uh, the Marianist Society of Mary. And uh, so I'm, I'm steeped in all this stuff in my, as well. Um, so, uh, based on that part of your background, uh, what life experience? Would you say had the greatest impact on you?
1: Um, I think I think when I moved, after I graduated from from uh, college, I did kind of a crazy thing. I just I just sort of packed up and moved to in with my friend in the Bronx. And a lot of people were asked, you know, in those days, it was uh, New York was pretty dangerous at that time, and people were and I didn't really have a plan. It was just sort of like I'm just going to go to the Bronx, go to New York City, and and become a writer. <laughs> So, probably that was the biggest thing, was just, you know, I just, just kind of dedicated myself for that and ended up uh, getting a job as a school teacher. And I worked as a school teacher and a proofreader and eventually went back to graduate school and then came back to New York and worked as a technical writer.
0: Wow. Where'd you live in the Bronx?
1: Uh, I lived in Little Italy in the Bronx on Baltimore Avenue.
0: Yeah. I, lived, I lived on the corner of Hoffman and East 189th Street.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, I lived on Belmont Avenue, and then I lived on 187th Street.
0: Wow, you had some excellent pizza in there, man, i mean, I got to say. And I've been yeah, it was great, great food, food,
1: great food in that neighborhood. <laughs> uh,
0: so, because of your uh, illustrious success, um, what would you say to anyone interested in an aspect of your experience? Meaning, if someone wanted to explore an idea or perspective opportunity based on what you could tell them, what would be the main thing to encourage or discourage them?
1: Well, I mean, sometimes a lot of people ask me about writing and how do you get started on writing and things like that. So I just feel like it's just a matter of getting, I mean, sort of forcing yourself to sit down, making it part of your routine. And I think write as if, like, a lot of the stuff that you're going to write will probably be thrown away anyway. Just take any pressure off of yourself to, uh, so you can write rough, rough drafts and just sort of, once you get the ideas kind of down on paper, then you can kind of edit them and and uh, and refine them as, they, as you go. But I think the idea is just to, to keep it part of your routine and to uh, and to keep, take the pressure off yourself. You don't feel like every word you write down has to be perfect. I mean, just if you go with the expectation, that a lot of it is going to be thrown out anyway. Uh, you know, the, you, it frees you up to kind of, uh, you know, just sort of let your imagination flow and let the words flow. And you end up actually keeping a lot more than you might expect anyway <laughs> in the end. And I think when I was younger, I think sometimes I used to think that oh, a half hour, an hour is not enough time. I really need more. But you find that like the other, you know, if you only have an hour a day, the only the other twenty three hours of the day, your brain is preparing for that. Yeah. So you sit down for that hour, and this and just stuff comes out that you weren't expecting. <laughs>
0: Because you've, ha- you've had so many uh, awards and you've done so many things, and I'm really so, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so thrilled about the Molly Maguire's just being produced in Ireland. You know, <laughs> But what would you say is your most noteworthy achievement?
1: Well, that was certainly one, and that was quite a thrill. I mean, that was amazing to be able to ha- have it produced in that historic building where James Connolly, uh, you know, started his, his publications and, where so much, you know, labor history in Ireland took place. Uh, but I think, probably the the biggest one is is the novel that I just uh finished and published because that was something that took uh I probably had the idea about twenty years ago and, and worked on it on and off and then probably the last eight years or so I worked on it steadily so I think finally get, getting that finished and published uh is probably the biggest accomplishment because it's it's kind of a long work it's about four generations of an irish irish american family um and it's it's unusual in the sense that it doesn't it doesn't tell the story in chronological order it sort of it's, it has seven chapters organized by the seven deadly sins and seven lively yeah. virtues okay. so um yeah it was a lot of work and a lot of it involved the, the irish american writers and artists uh, salon i would you know read pieces of it i would you know polish it up in order to read it and then read it out loud and then polish it some more and just sort of went through you know uh, a lot of iterations before it was finally uh, in, you know, the form where it was ready to be
0: published. Oh, I, I think <laughs> you have read, and you did read something out loud to me uh, at uh, Five Times Square. I don't know if that was part of that. Was that a short story you were working on? Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. You, you just you just happened to be writing something, and you happened to have written something, and you just read to me, what like, a page or two of what you wrote. <laughs> so that was... Like, Probably was, yeah,
1: because I was working on that a lot in those days,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so what do you want to be better
1: at? Uh, like I said, I'd like to be better at, 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 languages. I mean, I, I know I sort of like studied a bunch of different languages and I had no a smattering of, I can understand some, like my wife is Chinese and I understand a lot of Chinese when I hear people speaking around me, but I would like to, would love to be better at it and more fluent and same thing with Irish. I mean, I know I'd like to learn Irish better. Um. To really really to be fluent in some language you know i mean kind of I kind of know a, a bunch of uh, stuff and can can understand the talk around me but it's to, I'm not that great at speaking so uh, uh, I would like to be better at that and I also like to be better at, at the guitar you know I've been, i I play a lot of rhythm guitar right now i'm learning to play more notes and melodies and stuff like that so um yeah because i'd like to i mean I, I've kind of been a, sort of a self taught guitar player so i'd like to I actually started to take lessons uh, just, last, just two weeks ago. So uh, really? just trying to learn, you know, refine my knowledge of that and just keep improving, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think languages and more, you know, more, you know, general knowledge and basic knowledge about guitar and, and music and, uh, you know, playing melodies rather than just rhythm all the time. Well, that's,
0: that's really cool. What would you say was the biggest personal challenge you have faced? A personal injury? A seemingly overwhelming task? A personal or professional goal? A difficult situation you had to overcome?
1: Well, I think um, I think it actually has. It's related to what we were just talking about. I mean, I think a lot of one of the biggest professional goals was what I would love to do is be able to, you know, do the creative writing uh, for a living. I mean, I do enjoy my day job. I work as a technical writer, as you know, but. Um, you know, be nice to have more time to, to devote to creative writing and that's sort of a one you know the one thing that that kind of mainstream success where you can you know uh do this for a living would be would be amazing but I, at this at that point but it, as someone someone i knew another writer that i know compared it to becoming an astronaut i mean there's very, there's very few people that can actually uh mm-hmm. you know make a living as as a novelist so um unless you're writing you know pulp fiction or something like that but uh, so that's one thing, I guess other challenges I had in, in my life when I was, uh, in high school and college, my mother went through a lot of, uh, issues. She, she had diabetes and she suffered from depression. And so she was in and out of the hospital a lot. So that was kind of a difficult time, you know, through, uh, especially in my college years. Wow. I didn't know that.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Um, so how do you think that shaped you a little bit? That- change the way your perspective or uh, help formulate a different understanding of people or just uh, something else uh, like in that fascinating human nature that other people might not be familiar with you think that may have had an impact and help, help formulate the way you think and write and perceive
1: I think so too yeah I think uh, you know I think when you go through suffering yourself or you have suffering in your family I mean you, you tend to uh, hopefully become more sensitive to other people's suffering, I kind of understand, uh, you know, that people have different issues and people are coming from different perspectives. And so uh, I think it makes you a little more sympathetic to other, to other people. I think, and I think that helped happen with me. You know, I think, you know, I think I was on this path going to prep school and I was kind of like a scholar athlete and, you know, in this kind of competitive environment. And I think through those years, I just became a little bit more, uh, more sensitive and also looking at things from a bigger Perspective. If you have some reflection on yourself in your life, you you know you, then you can kind of hopefully uh, become sensitive to other people's pain as well. You know, um, so I think if you're if you're introspective at all and you and and have some sensitivity, then you 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 do become more empathetic to other people once
0: when you go through some issues yourself. So, uh, what would you say was the transformational moment? uh in your life a meaningful gift a reason to belong to something being a parent good job bad job i think
1: uh i think when i had my first uh play on stage that probably made a uh a big difference in my life cuz i it uh, was it was in i guess 1999 2000 so that was and that was sort of the beginning of my more i had always been a writer since i was sort of 16 in you know, writing pretty consistently but uh this was just sort of like uh a more public facing sort of like when I actually had play, you know, I wrote something that was actually on stage. And then that began a process. I had a whole bunch of plays for the next 10 years or so. Um, and then I got involved in doing readings and and, and uh, producing the Irish American Writers and Artists Salons. So, so it was much more uh, presenting work in public, uh, you know, it was the last, I guess, 20 years now. Um, that was the, sort of the beginning of that around you know 1999 it was a one-act play and then that sort of you know became the whole process of of just you know presenting my work to an audience which was which was great
0: did you do this up in high school at all or, or the college or did, did, did you do it in a, in a workshop or anything It took, took you until 20 years ago to get to going.
1: to get involved in the theater
0: well, actually, to, were you writing stuff that what people were doing in, in, when you were in school or, or, or until after you graduated, get, had your master's, did you, did, it start to, did you start to produce these things?
1: Yeah, I didn't really produce. I mean, I wrote, I was writing. I wrote a lot of short stories. I wrote, uh, and, um, I was working on a novel for a long time. Uh, so, I was, yeah, I was writing, but it was more of a, of, a, of a private thing. I mean, I'd send short stories out to, to magazines and once in a while I'd get something published. But, um, you know, it was a difficult Process, you know. So, so yeah, that was like around 1999 was sort of the beginning of, of when I started, you know, presenting work in public. So I, started I didn't to... really, I wasn't involved in theater in high school or co- in college. I actually acted in two, two, uh, one act plays.
0: Really? But that was, that, that was the extent. Okay. Was a... So, what, uh, what drives you? What gets you up in the morning?
1: I guess having new experiences and, you know, and, and the drive to creativity and to, uh, you know, I think to, I like to achieve things during the day for my, my day job. And I also like to, you know, to have the opportunity to create something new to look forward, as I said, and make the, the writing part of my routine. So uh, to the creative writing as well, to start trying to, uh, you know, release my creativity, come up with something new, add something new to, to a project that I'm working on. Uh, I usually have some long-term project going on. So I'm just kind of adding to it little by little, like a novel or a play or something like that. So, yeah, that keeps me going, just keep, in, just keep making progress.
0: Uh, out of curiosity, when you start something, do you tend to stick with the basic premise or do you, like, scrap that and just take some aspects of it that you may find to be, to be uh, that workable someplace else? Or do you try to, like, just evolve uh, what, what you do? Do you find that that's more, does it go more one way or the other? You just evolve from a basic premise, or do you take them them and and, and incorporate them into something else?
1: I mean, it's part of me that wants to hold on to the original idea as much as possible, but I think, yeah, as you work on something over the years, it starts to develop and change. And yeah. And I I think that's one thing I've learned actually, as I've gotten a little bit older, just to, uh, to not force something into the next phase and not make it into something like you've done before, like to sort of give it time, like let something develop on its own. And let it give it time to become whatever it is it's going to become. And rather than say, oh, well, this is, we could make this ending like this. Because you know, then it, it starts to become something conventional. So I'd like to kind of let it develop on its own. If it does, it takes on a life of its own. It turns out to be,
0: uh, you know, a
1: good bit different than, than what you originally conceived.
0: Uh, what's the first thing you want to come to people's minds when they think of it?
1: Uh, I guess... I guess writer. I mean, that's mainly I mean, that's what I've been talking about the whole time, it seems like. But, um, yeah, I think I'd like people to think of me as a writer. You know, as I work as a technical writer, I, I, I do playwriting and novel writing and short story, and uh, I've done some songwriting. I've done, you know, all types of different types of things. But, yeah, it seems like writing seems to be my main, well, that's my main thing, my identity.
0: <laughs> yes. And I'll say you're a good musician.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I- so I did play, and actually before I did the plays and stuff, that was one, th- I used to uh, write songs and, and I played at some coffee houses in college and things like that. So I did try to present some work in public then, but uh, nothing theatrical.
0: So um, as I get to the last of uh, my 10 questions, and this is the one that uh, I think I've gotten so many different responses from people, and, and virtually... Uh, there's some certain there's some similarities, but virtually everybody has something distinct to say. So, last question is the threshold. How did you know when you were in that, the threshold is uh, the point of no return? You know the uh, the wall has been uh, closed, locked, sealed up, and painted over behind you. There's nothing that you can see. You know you're not going back. Uh, how did you know when you arrived there? How did it feel to cross it? What was the significance to you? And what did you leave behind? What are you glad you left behind or what do you regret leaving
1: behind? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I guess when I, when I first moved to the Bronx, I moved away from home. I guess that was the, uh, you know, I left behind my family and friends, my whole, you know, the whole environment that I had grown up with. Uh, you know, I had kind of a comfortable suburban, suburban life and then moved into, you know, kind of a, uh, I mean, it was little Italy the Bronx. So it was, it was <laughs> the safest neighborhood in America at the time, but uh <laughs> because of the organized, organized disorganized. Disor, disorganized crime was not allowed but so yeah so the, uh, yeah so i left behind a lot of things but also you know it gave me a, a new sort of freedom and whole different types of uh, and a, i mean all kinds of different types of new experiences you know living in the city living in an italian neighborhood and, and then working as a teacher in the south bronx and just you know sort of being there for a purpose so where I, I, in my own mind i was like i had moved there to become a writer so that I, you know, I couldn't say, well, <laughs> I'm not gonna really do that anymore. You know, it was sort of like I had committed myself to to uh becoming a writer and, you know, living in New York City. And
0: uh
1: yeah, it was a very intense experience for intense couple of years, but uh it, it it taught me a lot. You know, and I think that was it was really the threshold from, you know, and again, from going from my parents' house to living on my own. So it was sort of like being independent and, you know, uh, taking care of yourself and, you know, uh, getting a job and, you know, paying the bills and all that kind of stuff. Uh, those
0: were all, you know, new experiences as well. Um, now, I, I, I'm, I know you know Malachi McCourt. Uh, yes. Did, did you know Frank?
1: No, I actually never met. I mean, I was kind of in the same room with him a couple of times, but I never really met him.
0: I think because both New York City school teachers, both Irish, you know, you know, you have a lot in common.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I know. I never, I, I never really knew him before he, he passed away.
0: No, that's too bad. Well, well you I know Malachi
1: and, and Alfie as well. I mean,
0: I didn't know there's another brother, Alfie, that I'm sure has a big family.
1: Yeah, Alfie, uh, Alfie um, passed away a few years ago. But yeah, he uh, was another, he was, he was a great character as well. <laughs> He, he, uh, he wrote a couple books, wrote some poetry, um, and he, he owned some restaurants and things like that. He was, and he, and he and Malky actually did a reading of, uh, from Angela's ashes. Really? It went before just, and then he, yeah, then he passed away a couple days later. What would you do all over again? Yeah, I thought about this one. I, I, I think I would do all of it all over again. I, I don't think, uh, I'm not the kind of person who just kind of, uh, has a lot of regrets and says, well, I wish I had done this. I wish I'd done that. I I feel like I I try to approach decisions in a methodical way and, and, and make, try to make the right decision. And I think afterwards I just live with it. I think that all the experiences I've had have kind of made me what I am today. So I don't really think there's anything I would not do over again. So I just think, uh, uh, yeah, I think I would do it all over again. (laughs) I mean, the good things and the bad things.
0: So, uh, hobbies, avocations, pastimes?
1: Well, I like to play guitar, as you know. Uh, I also, I, uh, I, I like fishing, too. I've been uh, doing, actually, the last couple of days, I've been doing some surf, surf fishing. So, I enjoy uh, going down to the beach and fishing, in the, you know, in the, even if I don't catch anything, it's fun to splash around in the waves and stuff. Um, when, where do you go fish? Uh, in uh, Brigh- I'm right now. I'm in Brigantine, New Jersey. So just oh. a couple. I'm a couple blocks away from the beach. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I don't. I. Uh, it's funny because nobody else in my family is, is into fishing at all. <laughs> just I don't know how I get into it and why, you know, I enjoy it so much. But yeah, it's just been since I was a little kid. I was just been fascinated by it.
0: Especially, <laughs>
1: especially fishing. Fish, I, mean, I do fit, do some freshwater fishing. Especially fishing in the ocean. I guess it's just kind of a, a mis- It's mysterious. You don't know what you're gonna. What
0: are going to catch? I I've I lived down at the beach for years, and uh, uh, I've always loved the uh, perspective you get down there. And there's a little bit of zen there for me, too. So uh, I, I can see that being something very, very relaxing. That's a, that's, a, that's a big battery recharger for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's the very last thing you want people to think about you when they think of you?
1: I think I think I'm, I would not want to be thought of as as cheap. I don't want people to say, "Hey, there goes that cheap bastard." <laughs> I'd rather. I mean, I'd rather just about anything else than that. I just, and I don't. Really? I, I don't think people would. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just think. Uh, yeah, I like to be generous. I would not. Wouldn't want to be thought of as someone who's good, who's a tightwad or something like that.
0: <laughs> Is there anything in your life you cannot live without?
1: Yeah, I'd say writing. You know, and writing—I I know I keep answering the same, <laughs> I feel like, I give the same answer to a lot of these questions. But yeah, I think writing is something. It's—it's—it's it's, it's been part of my life since I was sixteen, and even before that. You know, um, and so it's—it's it's part of my routine. It's part of my, you know, sort of my reason for existence, in a sense. You know, just and so I—I I don't think I could live without that. I think, you know, it's funny to hear about people who who quit who try to write and they quit. But I, to me, it's not. It's just who I am, it's what I do, and uh, I don't think I could ever
0: not do it. Yeah, I can see that, absolutely. Uh, you are particularly fussy about?
1: I'm fussy about uh, noises, sounds, like, like people make a lot of noise when they eat, <laughs> people chewing gum and things like that. I just uh, There's certain sounds that kind of just uh, drive me crazy. <laughs> people cracking gum on the subway or something, I'd have to like move to another car. <laughs> it just seems, sad. I don't know, for whatever reason, sound, there are certain sounds that, that, that bother me.
0: So what is your abiding passion? What you care about most?
1: Well, I guess, I guess as I said, I mean, writing is sort of my abiding passion. I also have a big passion for, for Ireland and Irish culture. And so like that, as you, as you know, I'm. in the Irish American writers and artists and in the Irish community in New York. So, uh, and it's always just, so since I, again, since I was a teenager, uh, just loved reading about Ireland, reading about uh, the history, the literature, uh, the culture. I'm I'm even, you know, learning to play the music. Um, I know a little bit of the language, but not as as well as I would like to.
0: So, uh... If you could throw it all away and be a rock star, astronaut, movie star, firefighter, bartender in paradise, what would you be? And why? Uh, I, think,
1: I think rock star. <laughs> it's funny because you hear all these songs that people, rock stars write about complaining about living in hotels and their crazy life and everything. But I feel like somebody, in some ways that would suit me, I would, you know, to be up all night and sleep during the day and just <laughs> staying traveling around all over the place. I think, uh, I think I would, I think I could, I think I could live that kind of lifestyle, but I'd probably be dead by now if I had done, <laughs> done it. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, and I do, I do love music and I love, I love to you know, play guitar and write some songs myself. So, but, uh, yeah, I guess if, if out of those choices, I'd probably choose that. But, uh, Again, I don't know how practical that would be.
0: Is there anything you struggle with you wish you did not?
1: Um, I think, like I said, I think I, I, I struggle with like reading music and things like that. I mean, I, I play, you know, I've sort of, as I said, I'm a self taught guitar player. So I kind of play rhythm, I play a lot of chords, but I don't really know how to read music. And I've tried sometimes over the years. And now, as I said, I just started now, I'm, I'm learning to play. Uh, using tabs, like but tablature, but I don't really know how to. So I'd like to be better at that. I mean, it's something that I don't know why. It just and maybe because it's mathematical. I'm not really great at math. I'm more of a word a word person. So somehow, but I'm working on it. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm getting better at uh, at playing and looking at tabs at least. So maybe the next step will be actually to be able to read music and play and play the notes that I'm looking at. Uh, so
0: that's the end of our twenty questions. And uh, I thank you uh, so thank much. You. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, is there any parting words you'd like to uh, express to uh, listeners?
1: No, I just to thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, as I said at the beginning, I have a, a new novel called Worlds so that was uh, just published in May. So uh, you can look it up on Amazon or lulu.com uh, and, and check it out. It's four, four generations of an Irish family. Uh, and I think it's got some interesting interesting stuff in there
0: (laughs) well i'm looking forward to it thank you so much john thanks for listening see you next time and as the kitties say peace out